0: Imaginary Advice Hello So I, uh, no, originally I had um, something else planned for the podcast this week But um, I've decided to change things up at the last minute And uh, instead I'm going to tell you guys the story of what happened to me on this last Monday night, the one just passed. Because, uh, basically, I had a, I had a near-death experience. I had an asthma attack brought on by the cold weather. And I don't know if you remember, but actually, like, right here on the podcast, actually, last episode, I, 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 I even said... Except that when we hit this particular point in the year, the end of November, uh, all the indecision drops away and the sky finally makes up its mind to murder us with its ghost hands of freezing fog and rain called it I, I I bloody called it you see I think I must have already been sort of subconsciously preparing my attack when I said that last week clearly I should just listen closer to my own foreshadowing Anyway, I thought I would use the podcast today to tell that story and, you know, just see where it led. This might come across as a bit maudlin and I know it's close to Christmas. But, you know, just treat it like the the end of the second act of a Christmas film. You know, it's the bit in It's a Wonderful Life when Jimmy Stewart goes to the bridge and he's thinking of ending it or when Scrooge is visited by the ghost of Christmas yet to come and then he sees Tiny Tim's crutch alone by the fireplace. Or uh, it's that bit in Santa Claus the movie when Dudley Moore betrays Santa Claus selling a special candy cane formula to an unscrupulous toy magnate unaware that the new mass-produced candy Canes will explode if consumed, thus murdering hundreds of thousands of children in their bed on Christmas morning. It's the 70-minute mark, right? That's where we are. It's the darkest moment, right before the dawn, and if we can just kind of give in to this moment, we should. We should allow our faith to be tested, because we know that the healing spirit of christmas is just around the corner so next episode i'll come back and i'll do something nice but uh in the meantime this is what happened to me now i've I've had like asthma since i was about five years old from past experience i know that uh, occasionally my inhaler is just not going to work and so i've got to go that extra mile get myself to hospital. Now, Monday, it was sort of bad all day, but I put it off until I was sure. And then when it got to about 6 p.m., I said to myself, look, you're not getting any better. So I got on a taxi and I went to hospital, Peterborough General. Now the problem is that cold air tends to make my asthma worse. So as I sat there in the back of the taxi, my breath quickly began to reduce down until I could only say about one syllable her breath so I get to the hospital within about 30 breaths I managed to explain my condition to the receptionist now it feels like this moment here should be the end of the story right but this is actually where the story begins because the receptionist says to me okay uh, you're in the system but you should know that there is was currently a four-hour wait to be seen and then I look round into the waiting area and the, the waiting area is like packed with people, it's standing room only. I turn back to the receptionist and I say, well, 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 what's the alternative? I mean, should I get back in a taxi and go somewhere else, like to another hospital? Of course, that takes like ages to say. The receptionist says, no, there's no alternative. I mean, there's a lot of people ahead of you in this queue who also have life-threatening stuff. You're just gonna have to wait. And at that moment, the thought comes rushing into my head, I kind of think, oh God, I'm gonna die. And thankfully, like I am so scared and also like so angry that I get an incredible adrenaline boost that floods through my body. It weakens the tightness in my chest. And when I start, to breathe again, and then I get enough breath back to make it through the wait. I sit in the waiting room and I wait the four hours. Actually, it's more like four and a half hours and eventually get treated. Fear saved my life. But not 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 just fear, like fear mixed in with anger, mixed in with shock, just the sheer jaw-slapping surprise of seeing that waiting room, of seeing firsthand how ridiculously thin the NHS is spread. That shock saved my life. I was scared back to health. It's almost as if the system still works. I mean, it's not how the system was set up to work, but still, somehow, despite everything, it still works. However, however, if the next time that I go to hospital in the back of a taxi, find myself starting to lower my expectations if i uh, if i accept that a, a 4 hour wait in a waiting room is in fact the uh, national standard then i remove my capacity to be insulted by it and that is terminal No insult means no shock, no shock means no adrenaline boost. I would have seen that lobby and accepted my fate, died right there in the waiting room. All this just goes to show the importance of having high standards, plus like a good old reserve of contempt. For when those standards are broken we, you know we often we think of anger and fear as negative emotions but you know, once upon a time they were necessary survival tools you know we store them away in this ancient reptilian part of our brains that, that our ancestors would have used to protect us from Lions and snakes. These are these are our survival instincts. And of course, like we today, we think of ourselves as being modern, enlightened creatures. We don't have any natural predators. We can feel as if we've evolved beyond the use of adrenaline. But like we haven't. Occasionally, uh, when we listen to debates about protecting the NHS, like it can feel it can feel distant uh, or academic. Like I, I know about myself, but I guess what I remembered on Monday night is that eventually the protection of the NHS, it comes down to to a biological fight for survival. It's not an intellectual debate about public health funding. It's a question of staying alive. So I guess what I'm saying is, is, is access that ancient part of your brain that you used to use to outrun an avalanche or choke a wild dog that ran into your cave. Use that anger or or, or that fear to motivate yourself. Sign the petitions to protect the NHS. Join the protests. Because, you know, like somewhere in the distant future, all of us, we're all dying in a hospital bed somewhere. And if if we want help, we have to start asking for it now. because, Because that nurse alarm by our bed in the future it does not do shit. And you live with the guy that you can't talk to. You can't talk to the dude, and that's no longer in style. You can't talk to the dude, no this no S normal. You can't talk to the dude. Things will never be right until you go. God, that was depressing. What a betrayal of your goodwill. I feel like uh I feel like Dudley Moore in Santa Claus the movie when he betrayed the spirit of Christmas and used it to fuel his own rampant alcoholism. Look, and also I know that firsthand that it's uh, it's difficult to get worked up over such things. Like, motivation's hard. We would rather do anything than cause a scene. So I thought maybe, you know, as, as a kind of companion piece to the first story, I, I thought I'd uh, tell you about something that happened to me four years earlier. Uh, when I went to incredible lengths to hide the fact that I was having an asthma attack uh, because I didn't want to cause a fuss back in uh, 2010 uh, I was doing a book tour promoting my new poetry collection one of the readings was a Norwich it was a good event after the reading, uh, one of the other writers on the bill, she says to me, if I want, uh, she can put me up in her spare room uh, rather than me get the uh, the last train home again. So, I agree. So, uh, I'm lying in this lady's spare room. It's, uh, it's late at night. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sleep. When I suddenly become aware of this strange noise, uh, it turns out it was actually the sound of uh, my own breathing. It kind of sounded a bit like, <laughs> basically, you know, it kind of sounds like a uh, sounds like a stadium full of people going crazy for me, and yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm no stranger to that sound because uh, yes, you know, I have asthma. But so I, I took I took my inhaler, uh, and and it didn't seem to make uh, much difference. So I, I turned the light back on and I got out of bed and I kind of looked at my reflection in the mirror and that was when I saw that my face had kind of gone kind of bright pink. Uh, I took off my T-shirt and I saw that like, my body had also gone kind of bright pink and uh, and lumpy. Now um, earlier that evening, uh, when I'd been putting out. The sofa bed i'd actually been scratched by one of my hosts new black kittens and now i can see that the small puncture wound that it left in my side has now kind of grown to these kind of three huge lashes across my chest it kind of looks like i've been attacked by a much bigger much more um, credible threat than a, a kitten By now I, I mean I could I could, could barely stand up I, I knew that I was gonna need an ambulance but I, I was so embarrassed about my condition that like I, I could not bring myself to go to the next room along and ask this lady for help uh, I, I just didn't know I, I had no idea how I was supposed to phrase it you know I'm just knock knock hello I'm sorry to wake you uh, I've been scratched by your kitten, and, uh, and, and and I'm dying. I couldn't say that. So uh, instead I realized, well, if I wanna call an ambulance, I'm going to need an address. I need to find out where I am. So I, I, I know what to say on the phone. So first I, uh, I, I crawled uh, out of my room into the front porch area. And I started looking for a letter, like any envelope that had come through the door would have it, you know. But but there was, there was no there was no envelopes, so uh, so no address. So so that 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 didn't work. So next, I decided, well, the most logical course of action left available to me now is for me to crawl out the front door, uh, uh, then down the street until i get to like a road sign get the end of the road see a road sign and then i can call the ambulance and call it from there rather than yes rather than still go next and just knock on the door and wake up the person that i'm staying with i kind of think to myself is this is this the right thing to do yes yes it is so i i, I crawl out the front door i mean of course now like in retrospect this does strike me as a, a A quintessentially British dilemma. Ten minutes later, I'm lying on the freezing cold ground outside. I'm waiting for an ambulance. I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I'm I'm, I'm probably going to die now. But at least I won't have inconvenienced that lady. Uh, It is better this way. It was was funny, there was no fear, no anger, just meh. Uh, So, this is how it happened actually like a cat uh, I had just taken myself off into the bushes to die but then the ambulance arrives everybody jumps to it the paramedic puts a mask over my face turns on the nebulizer and over a matter of minutes he restores my breathing and I have to say It is an amazing feeling during an asthma attack, like your skin starts to feel like the edge of the universe. There's like no world outside your own body. Everything begins to face inwards. And then all of a sudden... So you can hear the trees above you and the cars and just the endless space of the sky. paramedic hands me my ambulance report he says to me promise you won't let this happen again okay next time just make sure you ask for help before it gets too late i look down at the ambulance report and i see in the incident box that the paramedic has written just three words scratched by cat And uh, I find myself laughing out loud and it feels, it feels really good. Uh, I feel like I'm putting my freshly restored lungs to good use. Now looking back on it now, uh, I recognise that this night has had such a powerful effect on me. It would have been such a stupid way to die. But people will die in stupid ways all the time, don't they? They get trapped Inside washing machines, or they get a plastic Yogi Bear stuck up their bum, and because of embarrassment, they don't ask for help, and then they fucking die. They actually die, and the real thing that killed them was uh was their pride, right? Pride and rectal hemorrhaging. Well, that's why the the, the kitten attack was such a great test for me because before that night I I think I had such a stiff upper lip when it came to my illness I always found a way to suppress my fear and pretend that nothing was wrong. I buried my fear reflex and it nearly killed me and it made me realize that the next time I got ill I wasn't going to listen to the British part of my brain that wanted me to crawl around on the floor, hoping that my death didn't inconvenience anyone, and instead, I was going to listen to the caveman part of my brain, the part that says, you're under attack, get the fuck out any way you can. Last Monday in a and I think I got to put that to the test, and, uh, yeah, I think it worked, I don't know, yes, no. I'm alive, aren't I? So I guess, yeah. I think that's an improvement. I just want to do a little epilogue to my kitten attack story. Just because I think it ties my asthma uh, back to my love of writing. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently. So anyway, the ambulance drives away and it leaves me there alone in the street. I know I've got to find a new place to sleep, but I'm just so pumped up, I'm so deliriously happy to be alive, that at that moment in time I feel like I'm I'm never going to sleep again, everything just feels so vivid and powerful, I mean of course what's actually happening is that the paramedics give me a lot of pure oxygen, so I've actually got quite high, but it feels, at the time, it feels like some sort of incredible epiphany, so I just like wander off. Into Norwich City Centre. It's 4 a.m. I'm just like, ah, oh, I feel like uh, I feel like a kind of huge carnival balloon. You used to see him on the uh, Thanksgiving Day parades on the telly, you know, like a big carnival balloon Bart Simpson floating high above the magnificent pedestrianised zones of Norwich, and I'm talking complete gibberish to myself. Uh, I'm just collecting together. Nouns, kind of walking down the street, going all the tables, all the shopping, all the squirrels, all the bridges, all the boxes, all the squares, all the Davids, all the scissors. It just, and it, it just feels amazing. Talk, I don't know, talking nonsense. It's just such a simple, uncomplicated uh, freedom, a God-given right to talk shit. I, often these days. Particularly when I'm trying to write poetry, I, I think back to the the endless rap improv that I did that night in Norwich, because there's something in that feeling that unlocks every anxiety I have about being uh, a writer, I don't know, I remember that, I don't know, I remember that euphoric rap that I did about windows, and I wish that I could write poetry that felt the same I genuinely try to I really do just endlessly piling on enthusiasm where it's not wanted not afraid of being laughed at or judged I'm totally oblivious I guess I guess that's the voice of someone who had their voice taken away and now has just got it back again and uh, that makes me think you know maybe it's almost worth losing it if it made me fight for its return. Hey, if you want to help save the NHS, guess what you can? There's a lot of websites you can go to 999 999- call for nhs.org.uk, uh, unite theunion.org keep our you've been listening to imaginary advice uh, my name is Ross Sutherland and uh, thanks for listening uh, I'll be back in two weeks